Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the School Safety 101 podcast. My name is Steve Webb, and I am your host. This podcast is sponsored in part by Safe School Systems, providing school safety strategies to better protect our future. And the Safe School Helpline, helping parents and students break the silence to prevent an event. Within this podcast, we discuss 21st century school safety issues and best practices to help keep our kids safe while they attend school. Hello all and welcome back. We haven't uh, we haven't changed our intro yet, so don't forget we are now sponsored in part by Crisis Go. Crisis Go is a digital safety platform and allows you to manage crisis situations and increase your community engagement through emergency alerting, access to digital checklists and maps, bully and incident reporting, crisis training, and so much more. Give them a call at 314-669-9022. Give Crisis Go a chance to improve the safety of the children in your school. Matter of fact, Crisis Go, they have now unveiled their new behavioral threat assessment program to help help schools manage their threat assessments within their buildings and classrooms by centralizing their data and simplifying the referral process. So it takes the see something, say something to the next level. So speaking of the next level, my book, Education in a Violent World, is now the Amazon number one new release in four different categories, school safety and violence, crisis management counseling, education policy, and just yesterday made the number one new release in education counseling. So thank you so much to everyone who has called and messaged me regarding the release of the book and to all those who have who have bought or are planning to buy the book. The Illinois Association of School Boards is featuring my book in the uh, bookstore in Chicago, November 21st through the 24th at their conference. And they are hosting a book signing at 2 p.m. on the 22nd. I would also like to give a shout out to my friend, Taryn Averett, who is so supportive of school safety and law enforcement. Taryn is a faithful listener of this podcast and just an all-around great advocate for what we do. So thank you, Taryn. Thank you for tuning in. So today, we are going to discuss an item that I highlight throughout my book, and that is teen suicide. So this is a tough topic. I could say it is actually teen depression or childhood depression, but that is not what the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, has deemed as the second leading cause of death among our young people, particularly those in that 15, 16-year-old range uh, behind automobile accidents, it is suicide. They call it suicide. So if you have read my book, you know I believe there is a concrete link between teen suicide and social media, as well as a link to prescription drugs and society's insatiable lust for a diagnosis of something, to be diagnosed with something and provided a drug 
to fix it. So today, let's talk about the latter, and we will uh, we'll hash out the social media another time. So let me tell you about Sally, who I interviewed recently at at one of my shows. So Sally said that she was suicidal at the age of about 14, 14 years old. So at that time, she was battling depression. She was not a great student. And uh, she started drinking alcohol and smoking weed. And then her friends told her she needed to be on Adderall, that it was great. So Sally, being extremely sharp, memorized all, and she said, quote, all 15 of the symptoms for ADHD so she could portray them whenever she went to the doctor. All 15 symptoms so she could get Adderall and she was successful so the thing about that is I didn't know that there were exactly 15 and maybe there's more but the first article that I went to on e-medicine health of all things that's what you do you google it I looked up what are the symptoms and signs of ADHD in teens guess how many there were so there are exactly 15. Trouble paying close attention or making careless mistakes. Does not seem to be listening when directly spoken to. Avoids or fails to follow through on instructions. Has difficulty organizing tasks and activities. Avoids or dislikes tasks that require sustained attention. Frequently loses things needed to perform tasks. Tendency to get distracted easily. Often forgetful or inattentive. Tends to fidget. Has trouble staying seated when doing so is necessary or expected. Trouble engaging in activities quietly. May feel restless or easily bored. May talk excessively. Often blurts out answers or interrupts others impulsively. And number 15, frequently has trouble waiting his or her turn during activities. So she was very, very outgoing. And she was willing to talk to me because she knew we were we were on the same track. She had been off off of very, very heavy drugs because she went from uh, an addiction to Adderall to heroin. And uh, she said she had she has been off of that now for eight months. But she knew there were 15. If that was, in fact, just luck or if that's something that she truly, truly studied so she could be diagnosed in that. I told her, I said... Why didn't you become an actress? If you could per portray that so well, you had a career being an actress in your future. She said, I know. She said, but I would rather be on drugs because that's what I needed. And so she was successful. She made it seem like she had ADHD, got Adderall, got hooked, moved to heroin, and became an addict at 14 years old. So I start with that because she said she was extremely suicidal. 
extremely suicidal and still today has anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And uh, as we as we discussed that and the problems with teens today, she said, you have to you have to remember that was that was about 10 years ago. And uh, today she has trouble engaging in conversation with others without getting anxious and wondering why she's still alive. And this, she's, she was constantly looking at her phone, looking at her social media. And I said, is that one of the reasons? Because you feel like that you should be um, in some type of social group at all times? She said, I am in a social group at all times. And she said, and that makes me feel lonely. So think about that just a minute. Makes her feel lonely. Because she's on this social group all the time on her technology. This signs of ADHD and her being able to pretend to get it, certainly that doesn't, doesn't mean that all kids do that. But the fact that they can do that just so they can get one of the prescription meds in order to get high should be extremely troublesome. I, mean, I talk about this in my book. Um, I, I wrote that whenever we start looking at the misleading advertising on these ADHD drugs, including Adderall, Concerta, which is Ritalin, it's just a longer dose, um, longer acting dose, Focalin, Vivance, Intuniv, and Stratera. So Stratera was brought out as this is the non-addictive ADHD because they knew they knew Adderall was highly addictive. They knew even Ritalin was addictive and Concerta. But they put, that, put it out that Stratera and Intuniv were not stimulants, and they carry a much lower risk of that addiction. They also found Stratera, which is produced by Eli Lilly, was approved by the FDA to treat ADHD after it was found to be ineffective as an antidepressant. And in 2005, it found that they are at a much higher risk for suicidal ideation, resulting in a black box warning and an advisory for caregivers and teachers to keep a close watch over those taking it for disturbing changes in mood or behavior. In 2008, the FDA sent a warning letter to Eli Lilly for false advertising, stating that it had exaggerated the benefits of the drug and minimized potential, potential dangers. Shire, the company that produces Adderall, claimed that Adderall XR would normalize. How do you like that word? If you've read my book, you understand I have a real, real problem with trying to norm everything. But we would normalize those with ADHD to the point where they would be indistinguishable, quote, indistinguishable from their peers who do not have the disorder. Also claim that the drug, by virtue of controlling ADHD behaviors, would prevent criminal acts and sexually transmitted diseases, which were Certainly statements that were unsupported by any type of scientific data. 
So let's think about that just a minute. We know that these these drugs that we're giving our kids because they're not normal. We're trying to normalize them to some arbitrary norm. We know that every one of them carries a potential side effect of psychosis, which is a separation from reality. This separation from reality is what can cause people to have this suicidal ideation, the reality of what they do and the, their being here on earth. So Michael Carneal, the Heath shooter from all the way back in 1997, became suicidal because his what he thought was a girlfriend wasn't actually wanting to be his girlfriend. She wanted to help him with all of his demons and the things that he was telling people to set him aside, his separation from reality, um, including suicidal, and including the fact that he brought a weapon to school weeks before he actually committed those murders. But he brought this weapon to school, and he told these kids things because he was trying to get sympathy. And this young lady that befriended him, named Nicole Hadley, she took particular interest in him because she thought she could influence him to come to God, which would save him from these thoughts, from these demons. And uh, tragically, she was one of them that he killed in that in that lobby that fateful fateful day so that his separation from reality whether drug induced or not was clearly a signal months if not years before the actual event so i bring that up because uh, i also discussed the behavioral threat assessment at the uh, at the beginning of this podcast, because we're not just looking at threats as I'm going to kill you or I'm going to set off a bomb or uh, I'm going to commit mass murder on Monday. We're talking about subtle, subtle failures in a kid's life and how they handle those failures, whether they handle it with a drug or not is not the point. The point is the way our kids are handling failure, the way they're handling uh, this social media bullying, the way they're handling other interactions with human beings is the troublesome part of diagnosing norm or trying to normalize them because their experiences these days are so different from ours. And that's why our schools and counseling, our trauma-informed practices are so important. But it's not just the fact that we are trauma-informed. We should be, in fact, trauma-responsive. And that's why in my book you'll see my para-mindset, 
which I'm introducing in Chicago uh, at the end of November, and I'll have a I'll have a complete podcast on components of the the para mindset. But uh, uh, para stands for preparedness, awareness, responsiveness, and advocacy. That's the mindset that's going to save our kids. That's the, that's the mindset that we need in our our universities our regional office, our regional trainings. We need to teach people to be responsive to the alarms going off in their heads. And that's something that we have failed in miserably because we are so exhausted with society's society's need to normalize everybody when there is no such thing as normal. We're all different. We all grew up with different experiences. Kids' brains are still developing. And as we continue to discuss teen suicide or teen depression in the, in the podcast in the future, we will hit on some of those things, particularly within that, that pair of mindset where it might just, that trigger might just be seen, the see something, say something, might just be seen by somebody like a teacher who loves, loves these kids. And that alarm that's going off in their head, we may actually have something to do to prevent disaster. We might actually be able to look at that situation individually, not against some type of arbitrary national norm or some kind of trait or profile but against that kid's norm and see something's going on in that kid's life, is that a danger to that kid or to others? That's, that's the true question. Not whether they fit some type of profile, but whether their profile has changed due to some type of event and how are they handling that that failure or that event, that change. We'll talk about some specifics. But in the meantime, we are out of time. And I apologize. We've got a couple more things coming up. Uh, Of course, I just finished speaking at the National Association of Social Workers in Illinois. We had a great discussion in Chicago. Thank you to all who came to that session and who who have bought the book and uh, have talked so highly about um, about the book to to others. I'm getting email after email, and I really appreciate it. Also, uh, the Association of Middle-Level Education, I spoke there in Nashville, and again, I had some great feedback, met some great people from all over the U.S. that are doing great things for our kids. Uh, I hope you were able to take something away uh, from that session to help protect kids in your school district. We do have the the event in Chicago, the Illinois Association of School Boards, the Triple I event, where we're going to unveil the book in their bookstore and have a book signing. Uh, that is November twenty first through the through the twenty fourth. So, uh, with that being said, we are out of time. So, thank you so much for tuning in to the School Safety One Hundred and One podcast. I truly hope you've gained some insight and motivation. My name is Steve Webb, and you can reach me at www.safeschoolsystems.org. That's www.safeschoolsystems.org.
www.ghostbusters.org with comments or suggestions or any ideas that can help keep our kids safe as we are all in this together for a better tomorrow.